Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and on this episode of Call It Like I See It, we would like to discuss what we see right now and moving forward now that COVID-19 has made its presence felt in the United States and really throughout the world. You know, it's just blanketing everywhere. Joining me today is the man who's been practicing social media distancing for months now, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, how do you stay so far ahead of the game? I don't know, but I'm glad I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, keeping my sanity. (laughs) Also joining me today is the man who just stepped inside after sipping a milkshake in a snowstorm, Rob Richardson. Rob, these are crazy times. You still keeping it so fresh and so clean? Hey, man, always, no matter what. No, COVID's not going to slow a brother down. We're going to keep moving. All right. All right. That sounds good, man. All right. Now, now we're recording this on March 16th, 2020, and the 2019 coronavirus or COVID-19 is here. We've seen it coming for months now, but now it really feels like it is in and on top of everyone's life. And it feels like we haven't done nearly enough to prepare, whether it be psychologically or, in fact, prepare for the changes in lifestyle. From a societal standpoint, voluntary social distancing seems to be the primary directive, but many are still wondering if that will be enough. Uh, So I wanted to jump right in and get get you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Do you buy voluntary social distancing as a national strategy for for, for, to react to COVID-19? Um, yeah, I'll jump in and say yes. I think that's one uh, area that can help. Clearly, if something's airborne and it can be passed by being in close proximity with other people, that um, you know, staying apart from people is one way to help at least slow the spread of it. And um, this hit me personally too last week. Two um, of my friends actually got uh, tested positive for the virus. Oh, damn. And um, yeah, no, one is not doing well. Um, He's over 60. Uh, he's had a fever, uh, 101 for over um, uh, five or six days. Yeah. And, um, and actually, it's funny, they're husband and wife. Um, and she is doing a lot better than he is. Um, and she's not with the fever and all that, but she still has dry cough and everything. So it, it's a big wake-up call for me because not only they're friends, but you're looking at two people who are married in the same household, obviously in close proximity, but it's affected them very differently. And so I think just from my, that being my own experience now, I feel like the answer is yes to that question because suppose I went over their house and hung out, I'm pretty sure I'd catch it. Yeah. Right? And I'd bring it home to my family. Yeah, so clearly yeah, distancing, true. you know. And just from like being, grabbing the refrigerator. Like correct. it's not even like they'd have to cough on you, but you might correct. grab a, yeah. like the doorknob. And, or, yeah. and, and so the thing is they're being very, um, um, I think, proactive and smart. They're doing their self-quarantine and all that. Clearly, he doesn't seem to be in the shape that if he wanted to go out that he could, but she could if she wanted to, but she's being very responsible. So I think if everybody did that and were responsible like they are being um it would help. I mean, I don't see how one could argue that point. Mm. What do you think, Rob? Well, I do too. I mean, I, I agree with Tunde. Let me just say, give me a second. Let me just say, I also, um, you know, social distancing is hard though, right? It's not, yeah. it's counterintuitive. It's counter how Americans in particular think. I mean, human beings, but particularly Americans, we um, have been ingrained to be self-reliant, self-sufficient. Don't let anybody tell us what we can't do. If I haven't been <laughs> sick, it's not my problem. Uh, we don't need health insurance for everybody because I'm always going to be healthy no matter what, all times, every time in my life. I mean, that is that is kind of like the American machoism way. Uh, it's a it's over exaggeration, but there is people that actually believe that. You know, you and I have friends that believe that. You and I have friends that you know they're saying, well, this is just happening and this is just like the flu, so let's just move forward, mm-hmm. let it uh, quote unquote run its course. But I think you know, understanding why this is so important. This is this is different from the flu. In a lot of different ways, um, like nearly just to be really, really quick, and I'll take a mm-hmm. quick deep dive. I'm going to do my tune day here for a second <laughs> and, uh, and give the listeners a, a, a quick deep dive just to give an appreciation for why this is different. Because I've seen this a lot, um, and I think it's important for people to know why this is different. Uh, you know, every nearly every disease that we have as humans, almost actually all of them, come from uh, our interactions with animals, doing weird things with animals getting their stuff on us, people having sex with animals, all this is well documented. Um, But we haven't done a lot with bats until now, right? And this is where this comes from. This came from a um, open market 
within uh, Wuhan, China, that is doesn't have any regulation. Essentially, everybody goes there. It's like it's like how our markets used to be 120 years ago. You go there, everybody's cutting, blood's flying everywhere, and some people apparently like to eat bats. You know, neither here nor there. I'm not eating no bats, but that's what you do. All right. So people are eating bats and. Blood's flying everywhere, and apparently blood got on someone, and it got to their eyes, and that morphed into what we have now. We don't have a lot of interact. We've had we've had interactions with cows, with pigs, with horses, and we've gotten diseases from those things. With rats, with rats, uh, and we and our systems have immune to that, have become immune to that, or at least know how to deal with it. We get sick, we know how to deal with it, we know what we're dealing with. Uh, This is something that is morphing quickly. It spreads in ways we haven't seen, and so until People get until we actually get a hold of this. We have to have some social distancing because we don't even know how bad it is, and all we know is that it's worse than anybody thought, including the health experts and, and, and uh, government officials. Yeah, I think the, the the key piece on the social distancing is trying to flatten the peak, so to speak. I Correct. know Barack Obama had a tweet citing a Vox article about that, which we'll have in the show notes on our website, but yeah, you you don't want too many people to get it too quickly to where you overwhelm the capacity of our healthcare system to care for them. Um, that's just looking, that's not looking at the economic fallout. That's just looking at, can we treat the sick people? And so if the peak, if peak meaning how many people have it at one given time, if that peak is too high, then it overwhelms the capacity. We won't have enough, essentially Correct. enough hospital beds or enough ventilators or anything like that. And so then you have people that could otherwise be treated and recover, not receiving treatment because of that. So the social distancing is is seems to be an effective yeah. way to approach and, that. Now it's voluntary, so it doesn't yes. always happen. And so that you, you Wonder which, whether, is why you're, which is why you're seeing additional measures, which I know you're going to get to. But before before we do that, real mm-hmm. quick, I want to make sure we emphasize the point you just said. Uh, look, these things are, uh, you know, we want to prevent the peak, and here's why: it's not about if you're going to die, because I've heard people say, "Well, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to be fine." So why do I need to worry about this? It's the problem is the effect you're going to have on the overall system. So let's say what you say uh, occurs, and the whole uh, hospital system becomes overwhelmed. Not only can we not treat uh, the coronavirus, we can't treat regular sick Other patients. Stuff. Yeah, good so point. right, so then you have yeah. a, a complication that builds upon itself, that builds upon itself, and it's and then it could cause all types of problems that we're not prepared to really anticipate. So this is not about whether you're going to die, yeah, because uh, most likely you're not, right? This is not what we're saying. It's not even about whether you're going to get uh, really, really sick. Sick, you probably will not. The issue is if if everybody collectively doesn't take a step back. We can overwhelm the system to a point where we're going to have to let people die because we don't have enough capacity to take care of who them. Who otherwise so it's not about could you. be treated? You know, who, who otherwise, otherwise could you know, live? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Exactly. And that's what we need to know. This is not like this is not like if we let this thing run its course. People were people that were going to die would die anyway. That's how people are thinking about this, and it's not true. So it's really important for people to step back. And as hard as it is to do this, I look. I've had to not go to gyms. I love working out, but I step back and I had to not do that. Some other things because it's 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 greater than any of us. Yeah. Well, and let me jump into to add to that because um, I think the other thing for those listening that kind of had that, well, why why does this matter to me or why should I I feel healthy and all that? It's you know you can be healthy, catch this virus, show no symptoms or have mild symptoms, just a sore throat or a cough, and feel like you're okay. But then you go around your grandma, you go around someone else that might have a more compromised immune system, pass it to them, and then they get really sick and potentially yep. could die. So I think part of it is just, you know, and this is where it's interesting this happening to us so fast in our society because we've become a very me-oriented society. You know, it's all about me. We're so self-centered and and kind of, um, you know, just just, just narcissistic as a a culture now. Um, And so now it's like we got to think about other people for the first Correct. time ever. You know, Correct. Like in a different way. I shouldn't say in the first time ever, but this is going to become. It's the, it's the first time I would say, can I just interrupt yeah. you? Because I think you're making a really good point that I want to bring to the listeners. It's that it's the first time in a generation and a half people have had to do this. So people, there's not many people alive from the greatest generation during the Great Depression who had to go through World War II. They wouldn't what? have any problem. They wouldn't no. have any problem with this. But this is new to people post World War II who've essentially had. We've had ups and downs and blips in the market, but essentially, we've had a time where we haven't had to make mass sacrifices. There hasn't been a war that's required Americans as a whole to participate in the process. This is the first time I can remember 
where this is affecting everybody, black, white, rich, poor. There are no, there, there's no discrimination with no this, us uh, and with, them. No, no us I and know. them, which, well, which, offers, which offers an opportunity for us to, 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 to determine which way this goes. And we could talk, I think we're going to talk more about that later, but this, yeah. all, this, this, this depends upon how we go, depends upon how we collectively react. And I'll talk more about that later. You know, and that's, I mean, we basically are thinking on the same vein there because that's where I was going. I was going to reference the depression. Um, and it's the only thing that I'll, 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 I'll state is um, it's not even to add or correct, but it's deeper than one generation. I mean, think about it. The depression now is 90 years ago. You think about 1930. Correct. So we barely have anyone alive in this country anymore. Um, exactly. And anyone that is alive that remembers the depression is so old. Like my oldest client's 99. She, she's not really the, an influential person in today's world, right? Then there's right. not really a lot of 99-year-olds around anymore. So the, you're right that most 95% of this country has no experience of a shared sacrifice, really. Correct. And I'm yeah. not saying that this is good that this is happening to us or that I like that it's happening. But like you're saying, maybe one of the benefits out of this will be that we look at each other uh, uh, with a little bit less, uh, as with with a little bit less suspicion, and and we don't look at our fellow countrymen as an enemy. After this is over, because we all had to pull through this together, and I think I sent an article to you guys in our in our group chat on, on uh, the texting yesterday because I saw an article in Newsweek, and the headline was that Ted Cruz praises AOC's. Um, like um, suggestion or response to the virus or something like that. And That's was, a big deal. I was joking with you guys saying, well, maybe the greatest thing that'll come out of this will be uh, bipartisanship. I said, wow, the fact that one person from one party said something complimentary to someone about someone in another party actually was a headline. But those aren't regular <laughs> people. Those are, those are, those, that's a really great point. You know, Ted Cruz is, I mean. an, is an extreme member in his party. Correct. And, and AOC is, is, seen, yeah. is the same, She's, seen the same way. So that is what we need. That's what I mean. Listen, that's what I was saying. Like, that's a headline that they just, yeah, 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 it's, that's it's a, a compliment. And I thought, right, well, but, that's but a this, good headline. It's a good well, headline. Go ahead, go ahead, Jim. No, because no, I, I want to, there, there are a couple points I want to get to, though, also, because um, with the, the voluntary social distancing, there are people who think it can't work as well um, or that it's unnecessary. Um, and, and one yeah. thing, I'll, two things I'll throw out. One um, is, I guess, more science-based than the other. Um, well, <laughs> one is science-based and one is not, I should say. Um, but we've, we've seen uh, people say in our own communities, you know, that, well, black folks don't need to worry about this because black folks can't yeah. get it. Um, you know, so that's something I think we need to address um, because that to me, that's not based on anything. That's just people, you know, again, you always have to be careful when people draw grand conclusions off of their own anecdotal observation. Which um, most do. Yeah, which, which is a, that's a natural human thing, but you yes, have to be careful is. with it. Um, the other thing is where, the, for example, in, in the UK, um, they are, they, their, their formal recommendations are a little different in the sense that they don't think the peak or that the, we're in the range of the pink peak yet. So they have held off on on the extent in which they're trying to get their society to practice social distancing as a matter of yet. They don't think people can do it long enough right now. So they're saying, well, we, we think people are going to, if we ask them to do it now, they're not going to do it, or they're going to do it for a week or two, and then they're going to stop, and we're still going to hit it just as hard, or it'll create a second wave that's much worse. And so they're trying to, so there's one question of, do you, do, well, just comment on, whether black folks can get it at all, whether social distancing matters in that sense. Um, and then also um, in terms of the other approaches, you know, and, and whether those even make sense. Now, granted, we're not looking at the science as closely as some of the people that are employed there, but also it looks kind of like a cop out as well, because as we'll talk about a little bit later, everybody's worried about the, the economic fallout from all this as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jump in here first. So let's, it's, but in terms of black folks, I think, there is no real distinct, uh, distinctive difference between how black people are approaching this versus how white people are. If you looked at Nashville this weekend, uh, it looked like a mostly huge white crowd were in bars and just jamming it up. And people were out here on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah. I, didn't see, I didn't see a lot of black faces out there. I think people do not want to sacrifice. So if, this, if, it, if the story works for you that, you know, we got Wakanda going on and that we're immune to, <laughs> <laughs> we're immune to this stuff, uh, then it makes you feel better about stepping out. Uh, but when it comes down to it, there's no evidence that's true. 
Nobody knows anything about this virus except that it spreads quickly and that it's 20 times more deadly than the flu. That's all we know right now. We don't know. We don't know anything else. That's an excellent well, point, Rob. Uh, let me let me let me yeah. second that real quick. Just that the people who like oftentimes that's very uh, influential or persuasive to the people who just don't want to sacrifice, you know, like and they just need a reason, whether it be, oh, well, you know, the, the, the president said to, that everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Or whether I saw on Facebook that they said black people can't get it. Like the person oftentimes who's influenced by that is the one who just doesn't want to give up right. their social gathering anyway. But no, go yeah. ahead to that. No, it's just, I think it's also confirmation bias because I've, I've had some uh, black folks that are highly educated and very smart. I mean, I don't know what they say today, but a week ago they were telling me that black people don't get it or that are immune or, because you don't hear about cases coming out of Africa. And I started to think, how come people don't like critically think? Maybe they don't have the same reporting capability in certain African countries and other things. It doesn't mean, like uh, my joke to myself was, when's the last time that in human history we ever heard of a virus that knows how to jump different human races or groups? Like human beings are, we're, we're, we're of the same uh, group, really. Like we've talked about in past shows that race is more of a uh, cultural construct. Yeah. And times like right. this kind of prove that. Like everybody's going to get this. Everybody's right. susceptible to it. There's nothing, no matter what kind of human you are, doesn't make you immune or not to something like this. And with so, one exception, I would say that, and I guess to James's point, I think with the scientific part of it, the reason why a lot of Native Americans were wiped out was because they weren't used to the virus. And so they were used to pop, chicken pox and things like that because they didn't have interactions with animals the way Europeans did. So like the question about, and this is just something we're going to put out, I mean, it, it's, that could be true only if we were well, already that, exposed to well, the but virus. That, that, that goes to your point earlier about that there was previous ex, there hasn't been previous exposure Correct. to this virus. Correct. The Europeans had been exposed it. to no. those viruses for Correct. centuries. Then they were introduced in the Native American population for here. the first time. Well, Correct. the other the other uh, exception there would be sickle cell. Um, in, in, in malaria, but again, that's, genetic, a, that's, that's a genetic a adaptation. That's not Correct. based on your skin color. It's not that your skin color gives you a, an immunity. And then malaria, and then malaria, just very quick, not to go down. And then malaria. The reason why you know the European trade wanted us to be slaves is because we were more resistant to malaria. But that's only because of years and years of development of being in the tropical environment. So yeah. look, there is nobody has resistance to this. We don't. There's no evidence. Zero zilch. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean, that people, it's almost like a confirmation bias to you guys' point. People are looking for a reason why they, they're they different and they can they can avoid, you know, compromising um, the easy times, you know? People, like, don't wanna, people, don't, people don't want to sacrifice. And yeah. when you're accustomed to getting essentially what you want, when you want it, how you want it, uh, people don't want to sacrifice too. There are real economic consequences that are going to be extremely painful but, uh, you know, I tell people if they really believe this is some because there are people that believe this is some conspiracy uh, to do. I don't know what the conspiracy would be, but listen, or who the, would be enacting it? Who, who would be enacting it? <laughs> like, would they be? Yeah. This, is, this is why I'd say this, James and Tunde, because I'm looking at it like this. When I see the billionaires in this country shutting down things like the NCAA tournament and the NBA and they shut down their money. That tells they didn't they would billions not have liked of this. Billions, billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Yeah. I can tell you billionaires. Those don't, dudes, if there's a conspiracy, those dudes aren't in on it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they will be in on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, but the, the point, and I tied these two together actually, uh, for this reason, where you were saying that, you know, looking for the excuse to not make a sacrifice. Um, do you where, where do you feel on the UK's response? And then we'll 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 touch on this briefly. Like the, the it seems to me like in that same scenario that they're they're coming up with a lot of justifications. Yeah to not do what pretty much everyone else in the world agrees would be the best way, again, to just lower the peak. They're saying, oh, we're worried about a second wave that's going to come next winter. And it's like, yo, dude, we got to get through today. We got to get through tomorrow. Like, you're talking yeah. about making plans to, we want, you know, more, you know, we want more people exposed so that we won't have something happen again in 12 months. And it's like, yo, you got to get through now before you start planning for then. So, yeah. I mean, do you find that to be the same type of mentality, but somebody trying to couch it or, or cloak it in a science justification? I, I, I do. I do. I do. A hundred percent. You know, there's this uh, famous saying by Simon Sinek. It's not a famous saying, but he talks about leadership. And he says, so goes the culture. So goes the company. Uh, yeah. Culture is developed by who your leader is and what they uh, intend to do in order to make in order to make people feel confidence, feel fear, whatever. Leadership matters, and so look at who's leading uh, the uh, UK. You have a conspiracy 
is person, the person that seeks to divide us. Similar to here, this is why, this is why, this is partly why, you know, the, he is not, uh, Boris Johnson and Donald Trump are not at fault for the coronavirus. It is not their fault that the coronavirus is here, but it is their responsibility. And when you choose to be a leader and you choose to say that you want to lead people at whatever level, but they're at the highest level, then you have to be willing to sacrifice, think big, and they don't want to do that because they're afraid about how it reflects on them. They're afraid of the economic consequences. That's all they're focused on. They're not focused on the short or the long term. As you said, you can't get to the long term <laughs> if you don't deal with the short term. This yeah. is what leaders understand, good leaders understand. But you have people that are more concerned with how they look at this moment than uh, the, 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 the goodwill of their country in the long run. Yeah, but which you is know, dangerous. Let me add in there because because uh, I think you, I agree with what you said. The only thing caveat for me would be I could see that as a realistic potentially response if you felt this was going to be going for a long time because I think one of you guys alluded to earlier, they might be truly looking at the psychological play for human beings. I mean, at some point, People will go stir crazy and they won't stay indoors anymore. So and there's probably well, a shelf life. Yeah, that's what they're there's saying. Probably yeah. a two to three week shelf life. So if they think this is no matter what happens, whether people self you know can, uh, isolate or not and all that, that it's going to just keep spreading, they might just say, "Look, it, it's better for us to just wait. It's going to get a little worse before it gets better." Versus us force everybody to hunker down now. Then they're going to rebel in 30 days. And then when, we, when it gets and worse, we try and get them enough. back. Yeah. And, no, but when we try and get yeah. them back indoors again, the second yeah. time it's going to be much more difficult because they're going to yeah. be all restless and upset. I mean, yeah, different leadership is going to take it, you know, depending on their character, depending on their skill, they're going to take it yeah. and, and do different things with it. Um, but in terms of the leadership and how they're going to respond, um, do you think that, like right now we have voluntary uh, a voluntary act. They're asking us to do social distancing. They're asking us to stay off the streets. They're closing restaurants or, or movie theaters or whatever, but they're not, there's no mandatory thing. Do you think we could be facing a national lockdown um, in the near future? I think it's possible if people continue to ignore um, you know, the warnings of what's going on. The reason why uh, governors and others have had to take these actions because people just don't care. They're, they're just ignoring it. They, <laughs> well, I mean, enough so, people. Enough people. Enough Some people, people don't. don't yeah. yeah you're, you're right. I mean, enough people don't care that they have to take these. People want their spring breaks. Uh, they want to be able to go out and drink with their friends. And it's, that is, by the way, very understandable. I mean, but uh, if people don't do that enough, then drastic action could be taken. I mean, this is, uh, according to projections, we are headed, the United States is heading towards the same trajectory as Italy. And Italy is currently under quarantine national lockdown. So it, it's possible. Well, no, I mean, you, you hear the rumblings now. Like, you have the top infectious yeah. disease expert in the country saying he, he's not ruling out a, a national lockdown. And I don't even know what that looks like. You know, Tunde, well, let, me, you know, when, let me jump in yeah. because it's funny. I had a call yesterday um, with one of my clients who's been living in Italy for about 10 years now. Um, and she, she's American, but she's been over there and we were talking and she, she's taking it well. I mean, she, she, it, but it's full lockdown. That's just like you guys are saying. She's been in her apartment for the last week or however long it's been on the full lockdown. She says that, um, on Tuesdays, they, they're allowed to go out. Like, I think they do it by neighborhoods or something like Tuesday and Saturday, I think is when she's allowed to leave to get water wow. and, and, um, and grocery store stuff, everything Ooh. shut down. And she was saying, because I said, well, how do they stop, like, the young people from all? She goes, man, younger people weren't um, taking it serious. And all of a sudden, they started fining $200 and potentially jail time on the second time. So it's Yeesh. like, you know, they went serious. And so can that happen here? I think, look, what are we today now? March 16th, in the last week, so much has changed that I think everything's on the table now as far as possibility over the next week or two. I mean, who would have thought a week ago that we were going to stop all flights from Europe, that the NBA season would be shut down, that, you know, I did, Disney would things happen I mean, quickly. That's, that's the thing I mean. that stands so, out so, like, no, I mean, like, uh, who would have thought Wednesday morning or what was it, Tuesday, whatever day it was last week when the NBA shut down, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, who would have thought that morning, that that night that's they were I mean. shutting exactly. down? Like it, so it, every have, day, yeah, every day is like, what's going, you wake up and you don't know I what the bet, end of the I day is going to look like. $1,000 that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, well, every day, like you wake up at any day, and by the end of that day, you have you cannot 
judge the extent of things that's going to happen. And, you know, if this really brings in also, and I know a lot of people are really concerned about the economic fallout. And there's been a lot of discussion on that. Um, right now with social distancing, there's been substantial interruption in, in normal commerce when you have restaurants, when you have bars. And then, of course, the stock market has you know just been losing and losing and losing because of what people think is happening with the economy or going to happen with the economy. Um, and a lockdown would be obviously that on steroids. You know, it seems like that would be much worse. And so what do you see? Tony, I want to start with you on this. What, what do you see as some of the biggest economic concerns um, from the virus and the social distancing and or potential lockdown as we move forward? How much time we got, buddy? Take your time, man. I mean, for, I'll start with it's unknown at this point because just like we said about the lockdown thing, I mean, like I said, who would have thought a week ago that we'd have zero interest rates by this Monday, the 16th? Yeah. I mean, the Fed was at uh, 1.75% on their rate and now we're at zero. They cut that much in the last week. Um, who would have thought that, you know, they... Because because a week ago, the airlines weren't all shut down. You know what I mean? Um, a week ago, the NBA season wasn't stopped. So a week ago, my view on the economic fallout wasn't as negative as it is today. And so a week from now, it might be more negative or maybe it's not. So it's, it's so I'll say that to say it's unpredictable, but... Where can this go? I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. If you well, look what are at, the biggest concerns, though? Like, well, what that's, what things, gonna, yeah, that's yeah, where okay. I was going to go. Is if you look at last week alone, I thought about how about the, the the business owners that operate the concession stands in you know at the at the NBA stadiums. Mm-hmm. None of them are going to be making money the rest of the you know they they had another maybe depending if the team made the playoffs or not maybe another three to, to six months of of or or almost that much of. Um, of, of money that they were going to generate. How about the airlines? You're not, you, you've shut down flights from Europe to the United States. That hurts the airline industry and their contractors, their vendors. The cruise ships, um, as of last week, I heard on a Friday, Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines laid off 100% of their contractors. Ooh. So what, I, what I'm starting to mm. see is kind of what happened in 08, which is, you start having these these cutting of ties like that from from large businesses to small businesses, and what happens is the small businesses then will be forced to lay off employees because they're not going to be able to to hang on to payroll if they don't have the re- revenue coming in. So my concern is that what looked like it might have been a little hiccup and a little market downturn may turn into an actual true full blown recession, and that's yeah, what the ripple like effect. Yeah. And, and, you know, the crazy thing, you know, with the like anything that's service oriented, you know, I, you could argue yeah. that the good oriented things, you know, particularly durable goods like mm-hmm. that stuff. That's doing very well. It's, it'll do well and it can continue to do well. And even if there's some slowdown, it would make back up. You, you can, can argue, you know, but the service stuff, once yeah, that no, stuff is lost, it's is never get, coming back. Yeah. yeah. It's not and, like if you're going to buy, and, and, if and you, you the, had one, you're going to buy if, if, oh, I needed, you know, I needed an air ticket in, in, in March. So in, in when I go in June, I'm going to buy two. It's like, yeah. well, no, you're just going to do what right. I need to do. Like, well, so but, that, but that's it, lost forever. Here's my concern, too, because the one concern is that, but then you've got twofold, and we'll go back to the conversation we just had a few minutes ago about kind of leadership and all that. I was very disappointed to see that the speed at which the Fed cut rates over the last week because I felt that they were responding to political pressure. Interesting. And then, and then I last week, the, the Fed threw $600 billion, or the U.S. Treasury did at the banking sector. And there's been rumblings. I mean, you know, who knows what will happen, but there's been rumblings that, uh, that I've read that over the next 30 days they're considering as much as a $5 trillion package to shore up this system. Now, my concern is that, number one, is going back to the conversation we just had, because we're dealing now with leaders, this is not to pick on just one, but, you know, the Treasury Secretary, the Economic Council, the President, all these people that are so worried about something bad happening on their watch. What, what, I, what I've learned in life, going back to this character stuff, is when you already have people that have an insecure character, when, when it's like panic and the shit hits the fan, they don't tend to do, you know, they, their behaviors don't tend to be the behaviors that one would want to see that could get you through because sometimes it's just better to admit that things are bad, feel the pain quickly and then move on. I feel like they're throwing everything at this thing. 
but it's being done in a disorganized way. And some of the ammunition that we will need when the recession kicks in and things are really bad and you don't have the demand anymore from the consumer, they're already blowing all that load right now. And so yeah. my concern is that that's what's going to get worse is what's the Fed going to do in a month or two when, the, when unemployment maybe ticks up to 6 7%? You can't cut less than zero. I don't know what negative rates would look like in the United States. Probably not healthy. And then if you already threw $600 billion last week, they're going to throw more money, I'm sure. Let's say we're another trillion in the hole. You're going to throw more money then? And, and my concern, too, is, and this is what really upsets me about our current leadership, and this would be everything. Forget about just picking on one person. I'm talking about the whole Congress, both parties, the whole thing. You know, one of the things that I was cautiously optimistic for as much as I kind of saw Donald Trump's personality from the get-go, and I'm not surprised about anything we've been seeing, is that we might have an infrastructure play. Both Democrats and Republicans were kind of talking about that. The Democrats would have supported maybe if Trump did it, blah, blah, blah. And we were talking at the time, you know, you would hear numbers thrown around like one to $2 trillion, and you could really develop the infrastructure in the United States, have a jobs program, the whole thing. And no one ever did that because all they do is fight and, 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 and point fingers about stupid stuff. And now here we are in the middle of the, in, it, this thing looks like it's a crisis. And they're talking within 30 days, we might have $5 trillion thrown at a problem, which we know is going to be thrown in a disorganized way. And I'm thinking, if we actually sat there and tried to spend $5 trillion in a smart way on infrastructure, that's how you get the United States back to 5% GDP. Well, that's GDP. Our, but that's our priorities. That's, all that's my point. Like, that's our why priorities I'm, is when, when, when Wall Street gets hurt, throw the kitchen that's sink. That's my point. When like, the average becoming person so obvious. That's my point. Like, it yeah, is it's being obvious, though. But yeah, concerns. But let me get to a point that I think yeah, you, yeah, you please, just to narrow it a little bit. You know, because I think the biggest issue, I'm going to just keep it real simple, is that people don't trust the future. And if they don't trust the future, all fails. So it's underappreciated that everything that we, and I'm not just talking about the United States, everything we have right now in humankind right now is quite phenomenal. It's not perfect, has lots of issues, but the fact is we have never been able to be connected globally, be able to do business transactions over the internet instantly. People generally believe that things are going to work, that the systems are going to work, uh, that when they put their money in a bank, They'll get, they'll, it'll stay there, uh, that they can transfer money from X to Z and it's fine and it, it'll be protected. The minute people stop believing that, nothing works. So, because everything we have is a construct that we all made up. Mm -hmm. This monetary system, everything we have, none of it is real. Like, it's all because people believe and entrust the system. They trust that the capitalistic system is going to work because it has very well for about the last 60 years. I'm not saying there's not flaws that need to be improved on. What I'm saying, generally speaking, if you look at us from where we're at, from history's point of view in the last 500 years, humans are doing pretty well. That being said, the minute we stop trusting each other, the minute we decide that we all want to fight each other, the minute we decide that we can no longer trust to work with each other, that's all over. And the economy collapses simply because there's a psychological effect. Yeah, no, you're uh, right. So like, so like the, the real worry is that there is nobody there to be able to say, you know, like the FDR, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. We've been through panics before. We've been through multiple layers. We didn't have social media, and we didn't have the dynamics of not only this country, but you have a lot. You have you have what's going on in UK, which is very similar type leadership. You have what's going on in Israel, very similar type leadership. You have you have you have this focus right now in this country, uh, in this world, really, where we're 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 at a critical stage. And I think a crisis is, is, is going to expose that. My hope is that we come together. But listen, if we don't, you know, it, it, you, you guys talked about it early. We, we are, uh, the United States of America, we're a consumer-based con uh, economy, 70%. If that service and consumer-based economy is not coming back, whew, Well, that's my, that's my biggest concern, actually, is that so much, like we've built... Um, and he, our economic activity you know, for the last 40 years or so, I mean, really, you can almost see yeah, you know, about 40 years or so is it, it's smoke and mirrors, basically. Like, Correct. The, the vast majority of Americans, you know, like the, the stats floating around, people don't have, you know, $400 in the bank for an emergency if they need it. And really what it is, is the capitalists have squeezed every last dime, every last drip and drop out of the working class people. And so 
right now, the working class people, if things are disrupted for them, they have nothing to fall back on. And even worse, the people that are making decisions in terms of how they want to try to help people, so much of what they're trying to do is figure out how can we help the banks? How can we help this and that? Correct. But see, the banks aren't, the, the people that need help, like we have all of these trillions of dollars to give to, you know, to, to put into assets here and there, but we can't do sick leave. You know, we can't give Correct. people a month, you know, to to be able to to still get their paycheck, but not get work. Universal health care. We can't get health care. So people who are sick are afraid to go to the hospital because then they can't pay their their rent or their mortgage. And so all of that stuff, all of the problem, not all of the problems, the demand side of the problem that we're talking about is that the masses won't have money to spend. But all of those problems are because of the policies we've had in place where and not only do those people not make money, but all of those people, and I say those yep. people, I'm a working class person. I'm not yeah. a capitalist, but all of, all of those people, all of these people, all of us, we don't, we, we, we don't have a scenario, a system set up to where we, if we slip, things can continue on. If we have any that, margin so for well error, said. and we're always, and we're already in debt, we already owe all this money to the banking class already. Anyway, yep. the banking class is just like, hey, are you going to pay us back all the money you've yes. borrowed over the last 20 years? Like, that's all they're worried about. The, can that, we pay them back? So that, I think, is the biggest concern. I just want to finish the point, Rob. That's what ahead. I think is the biggest concern is just that the working class of people, when I'm talking, I'm talking about the 99%, really, the 95% of people have just been, like, you, you have them teetering on the brink constantly and now something upsets the balance and then they're, they're falling off. And then it's like, oh, what are we going to do now? And it's like, well, allow to give these people a fair shake this whole time. And we wouldn't be that worried about it. Yeah. And, and you're so, oh, my God, that's first of all. Yeah, preach. That's all I want to say. So, <laughs> that, that is I, I would just add one thing. Uh, the the people that have been organizing this, the trickle down economic people. Yeah. Uh, they have done a good job. And convincing the masses that this is the best way to go. And or this is the only way to go. This is the, this is the <laughs> only way to go. And yeah, that, that's right. And they, and, 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 and they have gotten to such a point where this is like, they, they talk about economics as if it's a exact science, that this is the only way economics works and that you have to do this. And they've convinced people to be only short-term thinking. Spin now, spin now, spin now. It's good. You know, we got to keep moving. We don't, need to, we don't need to worry about the future. The government doesn't need to save. Corporations don't need to save. We don't have to worry about it. Let's yeah, worry corporations, about the next... we, we nobody, need dividends, no, every, quarter. We need nobody, dividends, dividends every quarter. We need dividends every quarter. Yeah. Let's just go out and give a CEO an exit package of $50 million. They'll be more where it comes from. Gold it's not going to work that way. And so there is some fun... This is also exposing the fundamental weakness and the flaws we've not addressed in this country and really globally for about the last 50 years. Yeah. And um, so, well, I want to ask well, her me, another me, question. I got something real quick on that because I think you guys are 100% correct. Um, one thing that this made me think of is this is basically welfare in another name, but for the, the, the financial and... and, and, and Socialism kind of, for the rich. Yeah, for the, for the, the corporate poor. sector, but really the banking and finance sector more than correct, any other. Yeah. But... Um, you know, it's interesting. I realize as we're talking that this has been a great job by the uh, 1% over the last decade or so of continuing to gobble up by divide and conquer, you know, the old strategy, because I feel like unintentionally, right, after the financial crisis was one of the few times the American public as a whole had, had, had enough of it, and there was yeah. a chance to maybe make some change. But I think through, you know, and again, not to make this too much about something else, but just kind of through the Obama administration and his presence, um, it allowed the, the ability for the, the, those at the top to fracture the, the, the base of the public. And the, instead of having the energy to say, let's, let's just all look at fixing certain imbalances in the system, you know, there were, there were all these other distractions created. And I think that's the problem, too, we're seeing, going back to some of the comments you made, Rob, is over the last 10 years, and I think it's been helped with the social media and some of the technology stuff, we have all these different narratives in this country on what's real and what's not. And that also hurts the ability to trust the system and to have faith that, you know, something can work out. Because so many people, and there's so many conspiracy theories and misinformation about everything now, that most people don't even know how to trust what they're looking at. And I think... That hurts us, too, in this kind of moment, because that's why responses are slow. I mean, 
People, I, I even saw someone in Congress who's in Congress now yesterday telling people that, yeah, we should, everyone should just go out to restaurants and all that. And I'm thinking, with all the information out there, you as an elected <laughs> official, you know, it's like one thing, that guy, that idiot that's from our state in Florida that was had the gas mask on a couple of weeks ago, I mean, at that point, he should have known better. But today, with all this stuff going on, yesterday, a guy say that? So I think the public's looking at this, and if they want to believe that everything is a hoax and that it's all a bunch of liberals in the media that are trying to make the president look bad— you just had a congressman yesterday that still gives somebody that wants to believe that an outlet mentally. You know what I mean? As opposed to 30, 40 years ago when we all had less distractions and we all focused on uh, more similar information sources. And I think it helped the country move quicker in these types of crises where now the country is just slow footed because even people at the top have, have bifurcated ideas or, or beliefs as to what is going on and what to do next. Well, I hate to tell you, man, it's, it's part, it's, it's, there is a plan that, that's being executed. It's called Starve the Beast. So, of course, the, um, the, the apparatus, the power apparatus, as far as the government, is ill-equipped to handle this because for the past 40 years, part of the strategy of the conservative movement is to make it ill-equipped to handle things um, particularly to, to enforce regulation and but things like that. But I think like this that. is deeper than that a, because even the people... No, like, no, this is the same no, thing. But, but Being Jimmy, able to respond to crisis is something our government itself isn't that well equipped to do. Their only answer is to lower the interest rate or to give a bunch of money to bankers. They don't have any other answers no, like, because that's all they know. That with that, I'm just saying that even people that had the Star of the Beast mentality from the 80s and the Grover Norquist types, they, they weren't incompetent. That's the difference now. Like right now, we've got incompetence. It's it's. It, I get it that the beast has been starved, but <laughs> that's what beast, I'm saying. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying. But if you still had competent people, like look at it. Bush had a pandemic uh, division in the White House. That's why when SARS came, it was dealt with quickly. When Swive, these guys didn't believe that was necessary because there's just this incompetence. Like everything, science shouldn't be trusted. People with an education shouldn't be trusted. And that's what I'm saying is this is a different, this is a whole nother like version of what you're saying started to starve the beast. It like morphed into with the, with the group that's there now. But that's what and, I'm saying. It, it was yeah. an inevitability. Like you starved yeah, the beast sufficiently and competence can't exist there. Yeah. Competence can't exist in a starved beast. So that's more so yeah. than the, so the connection I was making. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so no, I, there, there was one other piece I wanted to get to with you guys, um, you know, before we wrap it up. And that is, I wanted to talk about, you know, just the reactions we're seeing amongst our fellow, fellow citizens. We've seen, you know, like everybody saw all the pictures of people partying in St. Patrick's Day, but other pictures that we've seen, other images we've seen around have been the panic buying, the empty store shelves of certain items. Um, so like, what do you make of the panic buying? Like people, there, there are people you can read material online where they're talking about this is psychological. Like for some, like there's a, a, a dopamine, you know, release that you get when there's this type of panic and you go buy some toilet paper and you're like, ah, I'm ready. You know, and it's like, so, so beyond that though, you know, like, was there anything that stood out to you in the panic buying um, aspect that we're sort of thing that we're seeing now also, you know, on social media and so forth? So I'm just, this is, this is a uh, curious point. I didn't expect tissue paper to become a, a, a quick commodity. <laughs> I, didn't, I just didn't like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming in this reaction, right? I thought maybe soap. I went to Costco, you know, they're rationing out the, uh, the, the tissue paper, but toilet paper and water, man. Those yeah, are like plenty the- of soap. Plenty of soap, though. <laughs> so I mean, like, no, I, mean, like funny I, just did, I just didn't understand that, but that's just my initial reaction. No, well, here's the funny thing, guys, because I was at Walmart on Saturday. I called my wife. I couldn't believe it. I was, I, first of all, I said, I'm in a 100,000 square foot box with 2,000 other people all breathing all over each other with recycled AC. Um, Everybody in this country should have gone to Costco. No, I was going to say, like, everybody's going to have coronavirus in the next few weeks with this stuff. <laughs> no, but in the, it's funny because I called her because you're right. The water, people destroyed the water section. There was no water left, no bottled water, and the toilet paper was gone. And I started thinking, you know, it's funny because we live here in South Florida. So, of course, we're more used to this, I think, than many in the country because we have the hurricanes. And I started telling my wife, why do people think hoarding water like it's a hurricane? They're not going to shut the water off. You know, I got a fridge door with a filter. I, I don't need to buy a bunch of bottled water, like, out of, out of necessity, right? And then the funny thing about toilet paper, sometimes I feel like this is where, if you just have a little kind of um, arc of history lens type of thing, 
I just thought, well, you know, humans invented toilet paper in like 1930s. You know, a lot, most of human history, we didn't have toilet paper. God forbid I ran out of toilet paper. It might be kind of gross, but I, I got rags around the house. Yeah, you know, so have you been, so, so tuned in, have you been stockpiling leaves? No. <laughs> I, got, I got two fingers if we want to get gross about it. No, but, but the point is, is that I, I think, just back to the, 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 the initial question, I think there is psych, something psychological about this, more so deep, deep, deep in the brain where this is a moment that's scary for most of us. It's really out of our control. We feel, first of all, like we talked about, our leaders don't appear to have their hand around this. Then we as individuals don't. And this, and, and like you said, Rob, it, about the financial part, but this is the greater life part. No one knows what to expect. And so no one can kind of trust the future right now. And so I think when you get to all that level of 30,000 feet psychology, then what can I do right now that can satisfy my urge for control? And it's yeah. hoarding. It, it goes back to like, I, I used to be fascinated watching that show that used to be on called Hoarders. Because I used to think what, you know, you used to have these extreme cases of people that, that almost bury themselves in their own house with all this stuff. And I used to think, man, what's going on in their mind that they feel like they got to collect this stuff and control it? And I think what we're seeing here is a milder version of that, but on a mass population. Like everybody is out there trying to control their own environment right now. And, and, and. And, and that's how they can do it, right? Let me just buy a bunch of stuff and feel safe. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's actually, it's, it appears to be a rational response. You know, like if you're concerned that you won't be able to, to go out and get stuff, you want to go grab some stuff. I mean, and toilet paper is something that everybody uses on a daily, daily but here's basis. here's what I thought, Jimmy. Is it really because... I mean, we got in today's world now. We got Amazon. Well, no, I, should, I said that things. wrong. I, I said that wrong. It's not a rational response. It's an irrational to to hoard it, but it is a I would say natural response. You know, like correct. so, it's okay, natural. That's a better way. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And hoarding it, hoarding you can it be is irrational and natural. Be, <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> and hoarding it is the problem because then then you're creating a crisis. So what has to happen is this is where you have to have leadership intervene. Like, and yeah. you know, people have to say, listen, you can't take. 10 things of toilet paper. You can't do it because then people actually need it. You can't take yeah. all the water just to have it when you don't actually need it. And case with the toilet paper, yeah, because with the toilet paper, that was that was what one thing we saw that was different was the sanitizer. Like people were getting that, but it didn't seem like they were hoarding it as much as well. At Correct. least the, the masses, we didn't seem like they were hoarding that. Except you saw a bunch of people trying to look like they were about to just uh, you know profiteer off of that. You know, yeah, and they tried. Yeah, they tried, and they were getting you know pulled off of Amazon and everything. But the toilet paper was different. Like people seem to be buying ten rolls, 10, 10 boxes of toilet paper for themselves. Like. You know, no matter Which what. I, just did, I didn't get. I didn't get why toilet paper was the thing, though. I'm still like, hey, they should have no, talked to Tune Day, man. He would have told him what leaves to pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I thought Jimmy, we're lucky in Florida because we got palm trees and palm leaves. <laughs> They're nice and long. Big, yeah, big broad yeah, leaves, right? You know, we don't have pine. You know, I feel sorry for my friends in the Northeast and in the mountainous areas. You know, with the pine trees, the evergreens. So, yeah, yeah that would we're be good. good. We're good down here, man. Get a big right, old banana well, palm leaf. Well, no, no. In, in, the word, in the words of a wise man, sometimes people are human beings, too. So I, I want to ask each of you guys. So if, if a lockdown was coming, what would you stock up on? I'll start with you, Tunde. You, you, as, as our famous, well, you know, the, the most famous quote. I, I don't quote. know what I can say on air or not. But um, <laughs> on a serious note, I'm glad that I like to read. I'm glad that we have the internet. I mean, I'm being serious, you know, that we have yeah. this. Like you said, Rob, in, you know, we, we've had it pretty good as a society. So if, if something like this had to happen, it's probably the best time in human history to have to be stuck under house arrest for all of us for a while because we got streaming services, we got the internet. So honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to this, that it's a forced time for us to just hunker down and be with our family and, you know, try not to drive ourselves nuts. So Interesting. Interesting. You know, I think um, so. You so know, you, you would I, hoard some board games and playing with, yeah, with, with the, I mean. the family. Just make this a nice try to create some memories. You know, let's get no, positive with the moment. You know, that's good. What so about that's you, my Rob? Attitude. Well, you know, I've always had this um, prepare for a moment because it's just my mother puts it in me. You know, being productively paranoid. So I've always bought in bulk from Costco, not only because it's good to buy in bulk, because they're also good to their workers. They want to make sure you understood that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there earlier. Um, and so, like, what I've tried to do now, because I'm assuming this is going to happen. Uh, maybe it doesn't, but better to be safe yeah. and then it doesn't happen. So what, what I've been working to do is try to 
not interrupt my regular routine as much as possible. So, like, exercising is really important to me. I've had to buy a, I was going to buy a home gym. Mm-hmm. I, I moved that up significantly. <laughs> like, I have a nice, whole full nice. home gym where I don't have to go into a gym. Um, and I have that ready because I just got a new house. Um, being able to cook the foods I have, so I'd have a few, I'd make sure I have the meats and fishes that I can freeze. Yeah. So we can just, so we don't have to be relying on eating out or anything. And then uh, actually have gas, maybe even get a generator. Because here's the thing, like, having tissue is whatever, but if you're going to need, you, you would prefer to have power. Yeah. <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at it like, so I want to make sure that uh, we, we have some power. And it's not about hoarding, it's just being prepared for worst case scenario. No, it makes uh, sense. Makes sense. That, I mean, that's what I would for, do. For me, um, I, I uh, second the notion of, you know, there, there is a silver lining to be able to spend a lot of time with your kids. You know, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So if I'm to stock up on anything, um, and I think my wife has been working on this, we need a lot of like children's workbooks. Because what I don't want to have is my kids on the like on, on the tablets. I don't know all how the time. I forgot that. That's a great question. <laughs> I yeah. need something to occupy my kids' minds other than <laughs> Or they're gonna drive screens. you insane. Yeah, yeah, but other than screens, though, because I I do have the screens, but I want other stuff for them too. So whether it be, you know, we get some books, you know, or which we have, or you know, some additional workbooks to work through, coloring, things like that. But you know, anything that would help keep the kids occupied beyond the default, you know, television, tablets and things like that. Like that, or what I would have, because yeah, it's we gotta. It, that's going to be a challenge. Is to if we're here, if we're locked in, how do you occupy your mind? You know, like that's going to be you know one of the biggest things. Like if I end up eating you know a bunch of rice, you know, and beans every day, then you know that's fine. But now I, I have stocked up on food and everything. Um, well, I my, by orders of my wife, I've been doing that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's going to Smart be a woman. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, to see how we as a society and us, we learn stuff as us about us individual as individuals. Yeah, yeah. you know, no, you know so it's it's I appreciate you guys coming on. It was a great you know conversation with you guys as far as just trying to make sense of all this. Um, so I think we'll wrap it up from here. Um, but until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Kunde Walana. I'm Rob Richardson. All right. Thank you to the audience for joining us. You guys stay safe. Uh, if you get a chance, subscribe, rate, review. You know, Tell us what you think of the podcast. And yeah, keep you and your family safe. Have a good one.